Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Praise God. All right, so we, we want to continue with our deliberation on just who is Lucifer. Uh, understanding Isaiah chapter 14. We've already said that uh, in relation to Isaiah chapter 14, you know the story how basically the church have used that to portray the fall of an angel that became a devil and uh, that it is called Lucifer. And so this was a war in, in their own thinking and what they believed that took place sometime prehistorically in heaven. And so they said Lucifer, which is a devil, was driven down. Okay, this is basically what they read, I mean what they say from Isaiah 14. Uh, I just read um, 13 to 14. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of gold, I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farther side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the Most High. Yeah, that shall be brought down to Sheol or hell, to the lowest parts of the pit. Now, like I always ask the question, if the devil was actually, they said Lucifer was actually with God up in heaven. Actually, in verse 12 is what you have heard. You're falling from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. Right? Okay, so my question is, if this man is already in heaven with God, which other heaven was he ascending to? Because verse 13 says, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. To which heaven? We have been told that they were all together in heaven, and he rebelled against God. So which heaven was he ascending to? I mean, is it that he was going to go beyond the heaven that God already is, or they were living in? I mean, these are questions we don't ask. We just swallow this thing the way it comes, the way people bring it. We just take it. Amen? Okay, however, let me read another scripture. In the book of John, chapter 12, I'm reading from verse 27. In particular, John chapter 12, looking at verse 27. And this is what Jesus said. Now, this is in relation to... He is going to the cross when he was about to go to the cross. And this is what he said, reading from verse 27. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But of this pop, for this purpose, I came to this hour. And verse 28. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it, and I will glorify it again. Therefore the people stood by, I mean who stood by, and heard it said, it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. And Jesus answered and said, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Verse 31, important. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Verse 32. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto myself. Amen. Now, verse 33. 
This he said, signifying by what death he would die. Did you get that? This he said, all of those incidents we've just read, they were pointed to one thing. His death on the cross. But, notice that, he said, verse 31, now is, not some time past, is the judgment of this world. And what followed the judgment of the world? The prince of the world shall be cast out. Did you get that? So when was the priest of the world cast out? But we've been told that it was something that happened some years back. Even before creation came into being. Maybe. So you see. This Isaiah text is said to refer to Satan's original fall. Sometime in prehistory. When he rebelled against God in heaven as a choir master because he was very handsome or beautiful. I don't know what they say. Somehow, one wonders where they got this story from. Praise the Lord. Are you following it? I want you to catch what I am dealing with here, which is very, very important. Catch what I'm dealing with here, which is very, very important. Please, I just want you to see it. Amen? Alright. So, here we are told that... Lucifer was cast down, right, from heaven. I mean, Jesus was talking about, he is bringing down Lucifer in terms of when he goes to the cross. Looking at the above part critically, that idea can't fit in. I mean, the idea of saying Lucifer fell some years back before Jesus came to the world. Why, you may ask, because the passage itself tells us that the fall happens to someone who wants to lead the nation slow. In other words, going back to Isaiah chapter, chapter 14, you see it again very clearly. Isaiah 14, I mean the idea that he fell some years, years, way back, doesn't hold because the scripture tells us here, um, look at verse 12. Isaiah 14, 12. How are you falling from heaven? I'm reading from the New King James. O Lucifer, son of the morning. And how are you come down to the ground? Who, I mean, you who weakened the nations. The nations. He was talking about people here on the earth. He wasn't describing anything up in heaven. You who weakened the nations. Very simple. Can you get it? Praise the Lord. So. It is rather about the man who laid low the nations or wicked the nations, meaning it cannot be referring to the time when there were no nations before he was cast down. Does it make sense? Now, when he was cast down, there were already nations in existence. Did you notice that? Nations were not in heaven. Am I right? The casting down or fall of Satan, you can also find, for instance, in Luke chapter 10. Let's look at Luke chapter 10. And from verse um, 17 and 18. Jesus sent the 70 out, you know, to preach. And to cast out devils, as the case may be. Heal the sick. Here in verse 17 and 18 of Luke chapter 10. The Bible says, And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are saved unto us through thy name. 
And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Goodness me. How many times did Satan fall? If you say he fell before creation, if you will, or somewhere along the line prehistorically, which fall is this that Jesus is describing to us in Luke chapter 10? So here was the report of the disciples of Jesus when they returned from the field and declared that the devils were subject unto them. And in response, Jesus said that he saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. What is that supposed to mean? So, how many times did Satan fall? If he fell before time and here, Jesus is saying he just saw him falling again. Is this a second fall? Did Satan fall, I mean, found his way back to heaven before Jesus came? I just want you to think a little bit. You said he fell before Jesus came. Now, Jesus is saying he just saw him falling. And that is already connected to... The disciples going out to preach and casting out devils. Well, the truth is, this fall, you find in Luke here that Jesus described it, and the only one too, for that matter, have nothing to do with the fall of, 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 of the church Lucifer. When I use the word church Lucifer, the one the church is describing as a devil. As commonly referred to as Satan. It has nothing to do with that, anything to do, we have to do, with, with, with that which is called Lucifer. But rather this is specifically talking about the success of the mission of disciples after they were sent to the mission field. So, it has nothing to do with a prehistorical fall and the punishment of Satan up there in heaven some years back when he was wrestling with God to take over the throne. That is human fable, not scripture. Therefore, we can go to that text and say, see, before human history, Satan fell like lightning from heaven. No, that is wrong. Luke chapter 10 verse 8 is nowhere connected with actual prehistorical account, never. No connection. So you see, this was talking about the cross of Jesus. When he said he saw Satan fall like lightning, he was only referring to what we finally happened when he gets to the cross. And destroy the power of Satan and the disciples. We're able to manifest this. You and I will be able to be casting out devils from the heart of men. And that's what you find in the book of Matthew chapter 12 verse 28. Jesus said, if I cast out devils with the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come unto you. This is what the disciples have tasted when he sent them out before he went to the cross. Can you get what I mean? Good. Jesus cast the devils even before he went to the cross. Now, so what he was telling the disciples when I go to the cross, this time I'm asking you to go. And because he asked them to go, they were able to cast the devils. But when he said, Rejoice not, but that your name is written in heaven, he was trying to tell them, Now you have the place where you can easily and have the ability to cast the devils. Now I'm going to the cross and I will relieve the spirit. And the power of the Holy Spirit begin to walk in your life. Wherever there is a devil, you are going to have the ability to cast it out. So it's not just for you. It's for as many as will believe in my name in time to come. So Satan's fall that are connected towards the cross. Now, the Latin word 
for Lucifer, like you find in verse 12 in the book of Isaiah, is used only in this passage of Isaiah 14. And the word actually means the morning star, or bringer of dawn, or light bringer. The New Testament uses this word morning star four more times, where it clearly has no reference to a fallen angel. Amen. In several early Christian hymns on Latin, the word was applied to John the Baptist just as is used as a title for Christ himself. The Mount of Transfiguring Experience explains this. Remember, when Jesus was transfigured on the mountain, Matthew chapter 17, Peter have a record of this. He took Peter, James, and John to the mountain and transfigured before them. You know that. So, in 2 Peter 1 verse 17, Peter tried to say or explain what they saw. Here was his own encounter or experience or declaration after the encounter. Verse 17 of 2 Peter 1. For he, talking about Jesus, received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the exceedingly glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I were pleased. And this voice we came from heaven, we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well, that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn, until the day star arise in your heart. Did you get that? We have a sure word of prophecy, what he's trying to say is, they prophesy about him, but we saw the manifestation of the prophecy. That's what he's talking about. Now, this prophecy concerning Jesus, which was so confirmed on the Holy Mount, have always been as a light shining in a dark place. From the time of their delivery to the time in which the bright day of the gospel light and salvation dawned forth, and the Son of Righteousness has arisen in our souls with healing, in his wings, like you find in Malachi chapter 4, 1 to 2. The revelation of Jesus Christ through the gospel has always been a light dawning in our soul, in our understanding, our mind, will, intellect, and emotions. Is that okay? Now, he says, the light is shining unto, I mean, as unto a light that shines in the darkness. That is, the prophecies resemble a candle, lamp, or torch in a dark room or in an obscure room at night. The main object distinct which were before unseen. That is, they enable us to behold many things which will be otherwise invisible. And he said, until the day shut down, until the day shut down. I'm still dealing with the, the, the interpretation of the prophecy that Peter gave now. Now, the light that shines in the darkness, which is the gospel, we have to be our guide until we now shall see objects by the clear light of the sun, which is the day dawn. We are talking of receiving the clear light which shall result from the dawning or breaking of the day. Amen. The reference here is to the morning light as compared with a lamp. And the meaning is that we should take heed to the light furnished by the prophecies 
until the truth shall be re- rendered more distant by the event as they shall actually be disclosed. This is until the brighter light which shall be shed on the glory by the appearing of the Lord. So, when he talks about the days that arising in our heart, that is the sharing of his beams on your heart till you see the indication of that approaching day which is all light and no darkness. No more ignorance of seeing the truth of God's world, nor seeing the Bible like a parable. Now you are beginning to see Christ in every page and every dot of the world. Actually, you know, First John, I mean, First John chapter 1 verse number 1, or John chapter 1 verse number 1, what do you see there? For in the beginning was the word. Right? Good. And if you look at First John chapter 1 verse 1, it said, That which was from the beginning, which is the word, which we have heard, which we have seen, with our eyes which have looked upon and our hands have handled even the word of life. Praise the Lord. Are you following it? So, here we are talking about the greater revelation of the person of Jesus Christ coming to us. That becomes the dawning of the day. No longer just prophecies, no longer just symbols, but we've come to see the reality of who the Christ is that was spoken about or prophesied about in the scriptures. Are you getting this? Alright. The life of John the Baptist. In John chapter 5, remember I'm dealing with the issue of morning star. Now, in John chapter 5 verse 33, scripture said, You sent, you sent unto John, and he bare witness unto the, unto the truth. But I have received no testimony from man, but things that I say, that he might be saved. He was a burning and a shining light. And he were willing for a season to rejoice in his life. Jesus speaking now. Amen. Now he was a burning and a shining light. What is that supposed to mean? Meaning the ministry of John the Baptist was a burning and a shining light. Or a torch. That is the great light of his day while he was around. A burning, a lamp lit up that burns with a steady luster. He was a lamp in his day. He had revelation in his day. People were wanting to see what John got to say. Hallelujah. Alright. John, as a matter of fact, in scriptures, a teacher is often called a light. Because he guides and illuminates the minds of others. Is that okay? Let me give you a scripture along this line. Look at the book of Romans chapter 2 verse 19. And this is what it said. Thou art confident... That at a guide of the blind and a light of them that sit in darkness. What do you think? What do you think uh, Paul is talking about? Now he's making reference to the Jews who have the Bible. I mean, sorry, uh, the word of God given to them in the covenant. If you if you take time to read from verse one, you see what I'm talking about. But when you get to verse 19, he now begins to use that. But let's look at it from verse 17. Indeed, you are called a Jew and raised on the law and make your boast in God and know his will. Follow that. And approve the things that are excellent being instructed out of the law. Look at verse 19. And are confident that yourself are a guide to the blind, 
a light to those who are in darkness. Can you see that? So that's what I mean. When, when the Bible said John was a light, Jesus speaking about John said he was a shining light and you always love to go for his light. He was guiding you people by his teaching. So teachers actually referred to as light. Praise the Lord. Are you, are you still there with me? All right. I want you to follow what I'm dealing with because it's very, very critical. Very, very important that you see where we are in relation to what the scripture is actually speaking to laws all about. Praise the Lord. Okay. Let's quickly we just move on again and see what the scripture has to say in relation now, one more time, to the issue of the light and uh, whatever light that has been shared forth. So, again, we'll move on now so that you can see it very quickly. But you follow what I've just said there in the book of, uh, um, in the book of Romans chapter, what's that now? Romans chapter 2, alright? The Jews were like a guiding light. Is that okay? Because they had the law. They had the understanding that God is given to them. So they were guiding light unto the church. Now let's look at the church in Theotra. In Revelation 2 verse 26 or 28. The book of Revelation. Like Revelation chapter 2 verse 20, 26 or 28. And here's what the Bible says. And he that overcome it, and keeping my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as a vessel of a potter shall they be broken to shivers. Even as I receive of my father, I will give him the morning star. I will give him what? The morning star. I want you to pick that. This is a promise to the church in theater. I will give him the morning star. So here, what does that mean? This is meant the power of the nations like king of Babylon. In prophetic language, sun, moon, and stars are emblems of empires, kingdoms, and states. So here the promise to the overcomer is that he shall have the brightest and most glorious empire next to that of Christ himself. In terms of rulership. And as the morning star is that which immediately comes before the rising of the sun, it therefore stands as an empire which you usher in the universal sway of the kingdom of Christ. Are you following that? Listen. First of all, when you talk about monster, is leading, like in, in relation to the issue of Lucifer, like you find in the book of Isaiah, when you say you're the monster. One thing you also need to understand is your empire is not going to last for too long. Because the monster only comes in to indicate that a greater light is coming. Is that okay? Praise the Lord. So here again we see the money star in relation to rulership. But here we are declaring that that which Christ has given is that which brings in the fullness of Christ's kingdom and greater light. That's what he's promising to the church in theater. So he said again, I'll give you the money star. To shine in glory with Christ, the true money star. He whom this star enlightens as Always morning and no evening in the world of John Wesley. He who Christ lightens always has morning and no evening. So, like the case of Nebuchadnezzar, which we find in the book of Isaiah, chapter 14, his morning star diminishes because it's not the full light 
that's reflecting into that of Christ's kingdom. It was simply the empire of Babylon. Amen. And he that, after having conquered his enemies, keep the work of Christ to the end, shall have the monster and unshakable brightness and peaceable dominion in him. I could find in the promise to the church in theater. Christ himself is a bright monster. You find that in the book of Revelation 22 verse 16. And he said, Jesus having sent my angel to testify, I, Jesus, having sent my angel to testify unto you these things and the churches, I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning, the bright and, and morning star, the bright and morning star. Revelation 22 verse 16. This is not just a morning star, but the bright morning star. Many a shining glory doesn't get dim by any light. His glory doesn't get dimmed by any light. Like we said earlier on, the morning comes up every, I mean the morning star comes up very early in the morning, but the sun soon shine this glory in and by the noonday. You see, the money side comes up around four, five, or thereabout. Let's say three, three, four, five, thereabout. It comes up. But it's just to herald the new day. Is that okay? So when Jesus said, I am the bright morning star, what he's trying to say is, No other light can outshine my own glory. Is that okay? Take that again. Morning star comes up very early in the morning, but the sun soon has shine his glory in about the new daytime. Now, when you look at Numbers 24, 17, we read also of, I am the star out of Jacob. Numbers 24, 17, talking about Jesus. Like the bright morning star, who put an end to the night of ignorance, sin, and sorrow, and ushering an eternal day of light, purity, and joy. Praise the Lord. So when Jesus talked about he being the bright and morning star, this is what he meant to say to us. I am the one that ushered in the day of grace and the beginning of the dispensation. And thou shalt usher in the everlasting day of glory at its close. I am the splendor and the glory to my kingdom. As the morning star ushers in the sun, so shall I usher in the unclouded and eternal glories of the Velasa kingdom. This is what is meant by he being the bright morning star. Let me quote the words of Adam Clark here for you with regard to Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. Adam Clark says, O Lucifer, son of the morning, I doubt much, that's this what he says, when you use the word, O Lucifer, son of the morning, Adam Clark says, I doubt much whether our translation be correct. The Hebrew word which was translated Lucifer come from Eliel, yell, how, or shrink, and should be translated how, son of the morning. And so the Syriac has understood it. Funny enough, we have two bishops in history who bore the name Saint Lucifer. We have St. Lucifer of Caligliari and Lucifer of Siena. These were bishops 
Saint Lucifer of Caligari and Lucifer of Siena. They understood that the word does not speak about being a devil. And so they added that name to their name. Why? What they mean to say they have light, revelation knowledge that can help the people as guides. So the name itself is not demonic. It is simply because of what we have been taught and what is associated with the name that made us think the name Lucifer means the devil. But it's not true. Otherwise, if I may ask, if Morningstar, which is the same thing as Lucifer, means the devil, does it then mean that Jesus is a, bringer, a brighter devil? Is that what we are implying? Peter said we should hold on to the prophecies until the morning star arises in our hearts. Is that to say we should have to possess Lucifer, the devil in our heart, through the prophecies? Friends, let us settle down and study this book called the Bible. And not just read through it with the preconceived opinions of our laden religious beliefs. Again, I remind you, Origin Adamantus was an early Christian theologian who was born in about A.D. 184. He was the oldest of seven children in a Christian home. He spent the first half of his career in Alexander near Egypt. He died in 254 A.D. He was one of the famous church fathers. Accidentally, friends, he was the first to spiritualize Isaiah 14 to mean Satan theologically speaking. Otherwise, it wasn't so from the beginning. Praise the living God. So what am I trying to share with you? Isaiah chapter 14 have nothing one bit to do with Lucifer called a demon. It was only speaking of King Nebuchadnezzar. And the word monster have nothing evil attached to it. It simply speaks of a light bringer. And Jesus called himself the bright monster. John was a lamp, a bright monster, if you will. And Peter says the prophecies of Jesus would deliver to us the bright morning star until the day dawn. Until the new day, a new season comes to our life, which is the fullness of God's kingdom, being realized through the gospel of Jesus. So all of this believe that there was war in heaven, as we're going to go to that, and then one Lucifer was pushed down from heaven, is all religious deception. It has nothing to do with Bible. It has nothing to do with the teachings of the scripture. It is just what men have put together. And I say this again. This is the first time. I mean the first time this word Lucifer was used to mean the devil. It was propagated by origin Adamantus. Like I told you. He was born in about AD 184. And he was the oldest of seven children in a Christian home. He spent half of his career in Alexander. Near Egypt, he died in 2000, I mean 254 AD. He was one of the most famous church fathers. He was the one that spiritualized Isaiah chapter 14 to mean Satan, theologically speaking. Otherwise, 
there is no scripture to back up the belief that Lucifer is a devil who wrestled with God and was thrown down to the earth. Nothing to do with that. God bless you and I'll see you again. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.